1: Welcome to For the Lord, this is Roger coming to you on Thursday, still, because you should have listened to the last episode, and if you didn't, what the fuck is wrong with you? That was part one of our E3 special, where we're talking about damn near everything that happened at E3, the good, the bad, and the stupid. And we've got, of course, Bell Gas, who is joining us in lieu of Vince, who couldn't make it. Once again, thanks, Allie.
0: So let's (laughs) go
1: to one that I know, Joe, you didn't watch, but Bell, did you watch the PC Gamer Show?
2: Yes, um, that okay, that, that is a weird situation this year, because always in the past it's kind of felt like it was being hosted out of a high school gymnasium. Uh, the, the production value on the first two years was extremely low. And this year they changed from AMD to Intel, and all of a sudden, and also a midday slot instead of a, a fairly late night yeah. slot, and now they have production value to, to spare. I thought,
1: well, up until that point, especially, I thought that it it was the best one in terms of just having so much information and taking the time to talk to a lot of different devs as well. We got the normal spiel at the beginning because, of course, it is until this year talking about the new processors, which seeing as I'm going to need to build a new PC in the next few months. I didn't mind hearing about that, actually. I was one of the ones going, okay, tell me about the course. <laughs> I want to hear all about the i9 oh. and things like that. Oh, you and I will we'll chat later. So yeah. and, uh, and then they started talking about some, some VR stuff they're doing. Right away they were talking about Lone Echo because there's going to be both the regular game as well as they're doing Echo Arena. And again, from a VR perspective, it's a very interesting-looking game. Very, very cool mechanics being used through it. And the this is something that I noticed before and I watched in some videos where they're doing something a little bit more unique because of movement in VR. And so, once again, if you're not going the right way, then you're going to feel nauseous. But if your body and your mind thinks it's in space... And just you're propelling yourself off of things, then it actually feels natural, and then the VR shines. Then, so that's something that's being done here, and it's it's really, really, really freaking interesting. We got a crapload of esports stuff, which I eh, no sense talking about it really on on this show. There was the um, again some more VR stuff, VR Challenger League, blah blah blah. The XCOM 2, War of the Chosens, I know Vince probably would have loved to talk about it, but holy crap, did that ever look good.
2: Yeah, that was a really, really good presentation, and I think it sold uh, a new XCOM game extremely well, and uh, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. There was a quirky little Ublitz game, <laughs> which was like... I am. I am all about you. <laughs> that, was, that was almost
2: my game of the show. Like, I want really? to be like Pikmin. It's basically like Pikmin and Pokemon kind of blended. But Pikmin always creeped me out. I don't know why. But I'm, I'm down with having a, a little, you know, <laughs> group of cute people following me around town. That's,
1: down with that. And then there was Battletech. Which was cool because that was something I remember with the kids when they were younger as well doing. So that was like, oh, this is going to be interesting to see that brought to modern video gaming now. So that's kind of cool as well.
2: I'm actually a backer of that game and I have been trying to avoid playing the beta. Oh, yeah. Because I'd rather just play it when it actually releases. Nice. Because uh, Harebrain Sc- Schemes did an amazing job with the Shadowrun game. Oh, God, yeah. So, like, I'm hoping they do the same thing for Battletech.
1: See, that's the other thing, too. It was as soon as I knew who was doing it and that it's an IP that I enjoy from way back when, I was like, okay, yeah, I've got faith in this. This this should be pretty cool. Uh, Mountain Blade 2, Bannerlord. Yeah. Yeah. Not so much for it, it's me. A
2: player, it's a player fantasy that I've never had. Like, I've never wanted to be in an RTS as a single unit.
1: Yeah. Joe, <laughs> you care? Mm. no okay what about total war (laughs) warhammer 2
3: i've been excited about this for months (laughs) total war warhammer was phenomenal uh the way that they implemented everything was great this looks like it's going to be even bigger uh the maps are the encounters are going to campaigns are going to be larger than the first one and they're doing something that i think is really really cool and also a deep throwback uh, to warhammer fantasy in the 90s which as a tabletop wargamer Uh, was sort of the sweet spot uh, for a lot of these types of stories. They're going back to the jungles of of Lustria, which is the New World. And we're talking about the deep, deep rainforest jungles where uh, two very specific races live. One is the Skaven, which are rat people, essentially. They were warped by these magic stones, the warp stones that crashed in and became sentient rats. And you see them pretty much everywhere. They're, they're swarm creatures uh, which try to harness these sort of powers in weird archaic devices that look like stuff from straight up from like watership down. Um, they're interesting. But then you have lizard men who are sort of like the old Aztecs in their approach to everything in the reverence of the, the gods and how they, they sort of do everything in these, these very, Ritualistic style, and we're finally getting to see them, which they were missing uh, from the first total war Warhammer. Uh, this, however, looks like it's going to be doing them one justice, too, that they're going to have very deep stories in their involvement in the world, uh, especially as the various elves come crashing into their sort of uh, uh, little little area of the world. and the fact that it's going to be larger and more involved makes me incredibly happy like this is this is something that i'm probably going to purchase immediately
1: and then we can move on to briefly another card game shadowverse has got an expansion coming as well wonderland dreams pretty pushing the cutesy envelope pretty far. (laughs) They're almost reaching my limit. But it did look fun, and it's certainly going to introduce a lot of new mechanics as well. And Shadowverse is another one that is a ton of fun as well, if you're not playing it. Next up, Destiny 2. We had already heard about it before, obviously, and we're quite excited about it. We got more information here about the game in spoke to these some as well. What was, for me, most important was when they were talking, of course, about the console versus PC, more importantly, the Microsoft versus PlayStation as well. Much like with Destiny 1, Destiny 2 is going to have some exclusives on PlayStation. And Joe and I talked about this you don't care as much, but I most certainly do. I know that Vincent mentioned it as well, too. The The legendary gun or the exotic gun, very nice. If I get it, it'll be great. I went through a lot of Destiny 1 without either of the the exclusive weapons that were only for PlayStation. It took me forever to get one of them. So that's like, yeah, it'll be nice if I get it, but um, I'll get some other freaking weapons anyway so that's not the big thing for me the another crucible match that's always nice not a deal breaker but always nice the extra armor man eh, don't really care the the extra ship don't really care about that either that's just for show it's the extra strike for me yeah because i remember mm. that with destiny one that strike even though it's not you know There's no story per se that you're missing out on if you don't have it. That's when there's not a ton to do already in early game. An extra strike is, I feel is fairly huge, and PlayStation's going to have that. And what's worse is that they never said if it was an exclusive or a timed exclusive. And if it's a timed exclusive, is it going to be a ridiculous one like they had for the first Destiny, where it was a year, and apparently there's some shit that still hasn't made its way to the Xbox that still is on the PlayStation.
2: Yeah. Xbox still doesn't have like Jade Rabbit, for example, and they still don't have there was a super intricate sniper rifle that they put in late in Taken King, and I don't think that's made its way over yet. So it's frustrating because I really hoped they would have walled off the PC as its own thing to and and just made it like made the PlayStation stuff console exclusive, but not exclusive. Because the PC is gotcha. not in direct competition with the PlayStation in the same way that the Xbox mm-hmm. is, but
1: Both it's own, Microsoft. But
3: it's still a Microsoft-based thing, which is where, where where they come from on that, right? Like it's it's to punish Microsoft, and I don't like that.
2: Yeah, but PC gamers barely acknowledge that Microsoft exists. It's, it's yeah, okay. but it, but it's not because of the PC
1: gamers. I know but they're it, all running Windows. <laughs> Doesn't change that yeah, fact. Uh, so yeah, yeah I. So, I understand it's, why they do it. I don't like it, but I understand why they do it. And it's always—it's not always to be vindictive, although I'm sure there's a little bit of that here. But it's money. They need money so they get that from whoever it is that's going to have the exclusives.
3: I don't know if that's really going to be the case, though, this time around, especially with it actually officially coming to PC and the fact that how they're releasing it and how they're doing the distribution of it through the Blizzard launcher uh, which is a huge deal it exposes that game to Millions. an entire player base that never would have possibly tried it before and and i'm saying this based off the fact that I, the people in our feeds and the people that I, I i interact with on a regular basis on social media are legitimately excited about destiny 2 where they were very i don't want to touch destiny 1 simply by the fact of oh they're actually putting it on pc I don't have to buy a console, I can use a keyboard and mouse. Huh. Okay. So I don't think that the money part of it is that big of a deal anymore.
2: Well, and and I cannot stress how big of a deal that it is that we would be going into Destiny 2 on the PC with a pre-built community that many of us have curated for over a decade through BattleNet. So we like we're not just starting fresh over there. Yep. We're bringing this existing community um, yeah, you because know, if especially if we can cross chat, like you know, so somebody's playing Diablo, well, we're playing Destiny, and we can still hold a conversation and yeah,
1: and and maybe coax them into Destiny too. Well, it's it, we've already seen it with just the Blizzard games, where people will bounce between games based on what their friends are doing. I do it, and and I don't have a lot of friends on my list, <laughs> so it's like if I'm doing it, I know for sure as shit a lot of other people are, and. To be honest, I again I want to play on the PC. I I really enjoyed playing on PlayStation a lot. I especially like the Vita integration. I'm enjoying finally starting to enjoy the Xbox version more as I'm playing it. But that's again that's all controller and my the shape of my hands. It has nothing to do with the the content of the game. Um, but I want to play on the fucking PC. And what I would like to see, fine. If you're gonna give. Uh, some exclusives to the PlayStation, fine. But give some exclusives on the the PC version as well. That will That'll entice people to to buy it. Because again, if it's something that's on BattleNet, why not make it so that you're offering a few extra things that are from that are in the Blizzard games and vice oh, yeah, versa no. kind of like, thing. Like Why not do that kind of thing? Diablo or Overwatch. Exactly. You're, or something like that. Yeah. you're all working together now. Why not kind of throw this back and forth to entice the people to go back and forth? That's what I would really like to see. And that would convince me, strike or not, that would convince me to buy it on PC.
3: And, and here's, here's where I come from on this. And It's not that I don't care about the strike. I do care about the strike. And I do care about the fact that there's going to be content that I will at this point the way it sounds likely never see and especially as bells pointed out uh, it, it's one of those things where yeah the xbox one didn't get everything that the ps4 did despite it having to be a timed exclusive not a console exclusive uh, so that does concern me but it's going to be all dependent on what is actually available at launch Like and I'm just picking arbitrary numbers here, just I don't have any insight into what they're gonna do, obviously, or or whatever the case is, and I'm not basing this off of historical data. But if there was fifteen strikes and PS4 got a sixteenth exclusive, I wouldn't give a shit. If there are three strikes and one of those is exclusive to PS4, then I give a shit. That's what's going to matter at that point.
1: So that's what it was content. I'm sorry? And that's what I was going to say. That's what the problem was in the oh, start yeah, the of one, Destiny yeah. and the console. That's why that strike made such a big difference.
3: Yeah, and, 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 that's, and it's an important thing that I hope they learned their lesson on. Because, again, I like Destiny. I like the story behind it. I like the gameplay of it. I like the characters. I like almost everything about it. I want it to do well. And the fact that it's coming to... PC with a community of people that I mean shit my friends list is already at the 200 person maximum and the battle net launcher like I have people that I can play with which I'm not going to be left flapping in the breeze like I was the first time and that's important to me and I want to enjoy that but I also want to not feel like I'm missing out on anything
2: yeah. all, I, all I know is that we got to get Bix playing because she would be hilarious in Destiny just saying I
3: I I live in the same city as her. No, no, no. I could just, ah, what am I doing? Ah." I I love you to death, Bix. I don't want to get hit
1: in the head because you don't know what you're doing in Destiny. All right, moving on. There was a tunic game, which was some kind of a little, think Zelda, but with a fox. A cute little fox. It looked very interesting. Again, if you like that type of game, they didn't show a ton of it but I really like the art style and it looked very cool. Uh, player underground or sorry, player unknown battlegrounds are either. Are you playing that right now? No. no. Well, and I have a, I have a, I have a tirade to say about this. I got, I, I know a tirade. bunch of people who fucking adore it. I've never tried it. So I honestly, I've got no frame of it, reference. I have a bunch of my, a
3: bunch of my people on my local gaming group. Uh, Good job. Gaming play it a lot and they love it. And it's, that's great. My problem is it's the latest early access sensation. And here here's where I have a problem with it. It's coming to consoles while still in early access. You're going to be paying for an early access game, something that's not even finished at this point. That fucking bothers me. I don't like early access as a, a concept to begin with. And something like this where they're making a th- fuck ton of money just fucking finish the game, have an official release and then worry about the the stuff afterwards. It just feels like an excuse to n- leave the bugs in place and it's the same problem I have with Ark because Ark is still an early access game, yeah, yeah. has not officially released and they keep adding new content without fixing the shit that's broken Fix
2: the well, fucking shit that's broken <laughs> and I won't complain Oh,
1: you'll well, complain in- <laughs>
2: <laughs> One of the problems that I see as well is like, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this the third early access game from this developer? D- yes, Yeah. Yeah. So like it was Daisy and then King of the Kill. And now and
3: King of the Kill is the same fucking game as this.
2: Yeah.
3: Same yeah, with Daisy. But that's the thing. Like they, they never officially fucking release these games and they move on. Like I like the idea behind it. I like the concept of Player unknown's Battleground. But fucking release a goddamn game.
1: Okay, okay, let's move on. <laughs> uh, Killing Floor 2, the summer sideshow. If they can put more of this in VR, fucking Killing Floor shit in VR is a ton of fun. So I don't, I didn't see enough to see whether or not they're introducing also VR elements. I just saw some of the footage, and it, it didn't look VR-ish, so I don't know. But uh, But yeah, that's awesome. We're going to skip right over the, the Forza Motorsport 7 and see if we've made that clear. And last night, because we made that clear. What did you think about Wildlands, Bell? I think it's cool, but at this point, I have so many
2: sandbox games. Exactly. They're going to have to do something really interesting to make it worth my
1: time. I I really like the art style. I'll say that. Yeah. And as a concept, again, it looks like it might be fun, but it's exactly what you're saying. There's a lot of competition right now for that spot. And then Grifflands looked awesome, though. Oh, my God. From Clay. That was amazing. Great cartoonish style kind of thing. Borderlands meets Don't Starve kind of thing. And... It had this cool versus combat thing, appeared to have a lot of story. It was really, really friggin' cool. And definitely then i interested in seeing that. What's that?
2: I said definitely interested in seeing that.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, considering the fact that I've played almost every, like all the other titles that this company has put yeah. out. I mean, Mark of the Ninja, Don't Starve, Oxygen Not Included, both shanks. Like they know the what they're doing. Is, I'm sorry. They know what they're doing. They know what yeah. they're doing. They have their style down. So this has my this is on my
2: radar.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And,
2: and if you're if you ever want something interesting to watch, there's a great GDC display talking about how they do their art. That's really interesting. Really?
1: Oh, I'll have to look yep. for that actually. Cool. Okay, we got a little bit more once again of Lone Echo the the VR stuff. Uh, very cool. Once again, we got more from Lawbreakers. They're really pushing that game as well right now. But I think it's because they realize that with all the competition out right now, they have to. And while certain elements continue to look really cool, it's still not enough to take me away from, say, Overwatch. Like, not even remotely close to get me out of Overwatch. There are a lot of games that are in
0: that
2: space. And I said this ages ago when I first played Gigantic at, you know, uh, Pack South, whoever went to market first was going to win this space because none of them are are unique enough to really stand on their own. And, and if it, it, whoever like you had to have gotten to market before Overwatch, Overwatch is is just a juggernaut at this point. I don't yeah. know if there's any more oxygen in the room for anyone else doing something similar. There has to be, though, right? Like, and, and this is the same
3: MMO argument that I've had. You have to find a niche that isn't occupied by what's out there as the dominant thing and carve your own little niche and not worry about necessarily competing at the same level. And it's, until we start seeing that, anything that comes out in that area is going to just fail otherwise.
1: Yeah, Okay, let's move on. There was uh Wargroove looked interesting. Then they talked about Middle Earth the Shadow of War. And it's yes, again we've yes, talked yes, about yes, it before. Yes, yes. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe.
3: I fucking loved Shadows of Mordor. Tell us it how you feel, my... Joe. Don't hold back. Oh. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> But it was one of the it was one of these great games that not a whole lot of people played, or at least it felt like not a whole lot of people played because nobody I knew was talking about it. It was a cool concept, an interesting story. The nemesis system that they introduced was phenomenal. And now they're taking it insanely further where you're becoming a goddamn warlord and you're gathering these orcs. You're not just killing them. You're recruiting them. And they are following you as you become the bright Lord. And it is fucking so cool of a concept, especially when you have the pithy giant orc companion, who's a uh, very, very British and likes ripping spines out. Like the presentation of it, everything that they showed was great. And the fact that like, yeah, Oh, that stronghold over there. We're just going to go take it. All right. I get to rip people's spines out. I'm, I'm your man or orc, or whatever you want to call me. I got this. We're good. And like, It's so cool because you get to be essentially the dark. You you get to play mini Sauron. I'm all about this life.
2: I just. Yes, please. The funny thing is, is the first game was really fun and it was really well designed and and, and combat felt great. But this game has more of my actual core crack in it. Like, I love team builder games. Like, you know, Master even Trek, when you're you leaving your team members, <laughs> so, like, I, I, I love recruiting people and building a team and then then going out and, and taking down whatever the, the enemy is. And like, if you give me a game, I will spend all this time doing, you know, loyalty missions for my teammates just to make sure I'm at the highest power levels before I enter the end game. Um, So the fact that I can recruit these interesting orcs,
1: yeah, sold. Okay. Let's move on to Ubisoft. (laughs) Like I said on Twitter, Japan says, we are the best at doing crazy shit. (laughs) And Ubisoft says, hold my baguette. Hold my beer. Hold my baguette. (laughs) (laughs) Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battles. Yeah. Now I just don't even know. Now, I... (laughs) I don't know if this is embarrassing to say. <laughs> I love rabbit games. I really, really love rabbits games a lot. They're a ton of fun. I know they're silly and stupid, but that's the allure. And it's. They're just plain fun. So, this here, all the tongue in cheek humor, like the rabbit dressed as Peach and Luigi. I love that shit. So, I'm really looking forward to this.
3: Yeah, I. Honestly, the rabbits are one of those things where I don't care what anybody says. I love them. They're minions before minions were ever minions. Yep. They have that sort of humor to them. They have that sort of irreverence to them. And combining that with beloved Mario characters, putting into an XCOM, Disgaea, Final Fantasy Tactics like setting, fuck yes. And Mario gets a basically a Mega Man blaster to use as a gun. I'm 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 okay with this. Sold. Sold. And like it looks at. It looks absolutely phenomenal, and I'm not going to lie, when I saw this pop up, one of the first words that came out of my mouth were, fuck, I have to buy a Switch now, because I'm going to, and I'm going to carry this game with me wherever I go, because I fucking need this in my life.
1: Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Uh, they also talked about Assassin's Creed Origins, so that, don't need to go into that again. And then we get the reveal for The Crew 2, which again, talking about New IPs that stumble initially, the crew stumbled big time, but it started to slowly build up their following after. This takes it to a whole new freaking level. Like, you're racing whatever the fuck you want, and when they're taking those choppers or the propeller planes through the city and, like, dive-bombing over the the traffic, it looked genuinely like a ton of fun. And it looked, again, looked like it handled each of the different racing elements very well and differently as you would need to because they're quite different in their how they, they move. So it looked cool. How much story there's going to be in it eh, never really matters that much for a crew game. So but uh, but yeah, it looked interesting. Then I, I was talking to Joe about this earlier. I, I, I really am surprised that one of the highlights for me, not the, but one of once again was more from South Park Fractured But Whole. Because when they first announced it and we saw the whole thing with the comic book characters and whatnot. Well, fuck, we're all about that. Mm -hmm. And so not just in terms of the comic book movies, but actual comic book characters and reading comics. So this was like immediately something that I thought, oh, I'm playing this for sure. But now (laughs) it's like, oh, my God, it looks fucking hysterical. And I haven't watched South Park. I haven't watched South Park since year one like when it first came out, we watched it for a while and then essentially stopped watching it. And yet this is just absolutely hysterical. I I can't wait to play it. What was interesting to me too, is it
3: looks like the gameplay has changed a lot because we haven't heard much about it since it was announced originally. And it was supposed to be out last year. I believe the end of last year, Uh, it, It sort of never happened and we just didn't hear anything. And but it looks like the core gameplay has changed to be more action oriented, which I think was necessary considering it's a game about fucking superheroes, right? And I'm okay with that, and I'm happy that they didn't rush it.
2: Uh, I'm super excited about it. I'm, yeah, like it. God damn it, I'm, I want it. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely down with this. Um, the the character names were great. girl. Cold Girl. <laughs> Cold girl. <laughs> And I guess there's a phone game to go along with it, too. Destroy Your Phone or something like that. Destroyer, yeah.
1: Phone uh, phone Destroyer. destroyer.
2: Phone Destroyer, yeah.
1: All right, moving on. The Transference VR game looked super interesting. Um, That was the one with uh, Elijah Wood, was it not? I believe. I think so. Yeah, Yeah. it was Elijah Wood. Yeah. Um, That looks super cool. It's those kind of experiences in VR that are going to... Transcend just gaming for people to enjoy with VR units, and then that's awesome. Because that's going to again appeal to people who aren't really interested interested in games per se, but would be more than willing to do this kind of thing. And it's it's that gateway drug to eventually be playing VR games, not just an experience. So then there was Skull and Bones. Joe. <laughs> so there is no um <laughs> If you've listened to this podcast,
3: we're all about the pirate life. This actually looks really intriguing. And we were talking about some other pirate games, but this this looks. Oh, my God. uh, Yeah. Like visually, it's stunning. But the idea is. Back in the days of, of Assassin's Creed Black Flag, the boats were one of the most interesting things. And Ubisoft was like, huh, people really like fucking boats. They like being pirates. You know what? screw it let's make a pirate game and so they did and it's a pvp pve style thing where you can play by yourself you can play with a group of other pirates you can be an entire fleet and it looks absolutely amazing like the visuals look the the like what you would expect out of an ubisoft game uh the gameplay looks absolutely hilarious because yes you can have that tactical sort of shooting and boarding. Uh, you can also just ram a ship. Their ship's designed specifically to ram another ship. Because why the hell not? It it just looks
1: fucking cool. To its testament, when the trailer first started, you knew immediately. Oh, this is gonna be another pirate game. And once again, I was Sea of Thieves. Doubt. So it was like, okay, like I I have no interest in another pirate game right now. I really don't want to play another. What what is that? What is going, holy fuck. <laughs> and then before you knew it, it was like, holy crap, I really want to play this. And what's funny is that after the uh, the Ubisoft presser ended, it we were having dinner and my wife had gone out for something. So for a, a night out with the, uh, the the girls. And so I told my son, I said, if you want, we can watch the presser while we're having dinner. And he said, well, you watch it already. I said, yeah, but we're going to do it for the podcast. So I, I, I can watch it again. It's not a big deal. And we both were chatting during this segment because it was like, this is a very unique PVP game. Most PVP games, you're going and you're shooting at each other with guns and or laser rifles or some damn thing like that. Here, you're it's vastly different. Again, it's the the ships and whether you are flanking each other or ramming each other or just running the fuck out of the way. It really looked interesting. And like you said, the, the look of it, the graphics, were jaw-dropping. It was unbelievable how beautiful that game looked, especially when you're looking at, granted, it was a canned counter, but still, it looked so good while playing it, not just cinematics. Very cool.
2: And I'm wondering exactly how much of a story mode it's going to be involved on the PvE side,
1: because
2: they could go a lot of different ways with this.
1: Yeah, I'm anticipating it's going to be pretty light, sadly, in PvE content, but we'll see. Then they had Just Dance, don't really care. Um, Then they had, oh, you see a plane coming down a ship, and it was like Joe and I were talking over AIM, and it's like, oh my god, it's going to be No Man's Land done right. Look at this, it's gorgeous. Why is he playing with a toy? And yeah, that's when you realize Starlink Battle for Atlas. That's when you realize they're trying to basically just be Skylanders meets no man's sky. Well, and here's the thing, right? Like
3: and I'm not saying this because I, I know I know people who worked on this project and they work their ass off to make new emergent AI specifically for this game that is something that hasn't been done already, which is interesting. There's a lot of stuff going into the back end of this game that really makes me want to play it except for the fact that they don't seem to understand the people in charge of the project, that toy to life isn't a thing. It has not really been a successful thing unless your target audience is for, you know, Skylanders or the Lego Dimensions or stuff like that. Most adults don't play those those games, and this is not a game targeted at a younger audience. It, is, it has that visceral survival war type feel it has a mature feeling story that it looks like it's going to be one of those things targeted at us as players visuals look great story looks like it has potential to be cool the dog fighting looks cool as shit Uh, and i want to play this game i don't want to have to play it with toys and that's the kicker you have to play it with toys
1: i don't want to buy toys and i don't want to play with them either i don't want to be getting be removed from the immersion of the game to clip a fucking plastic thing on a wing, which is going to be like in the heat of the battle. I do not want to be reaching over and fumbling with a fucking blaster thing to put on the wing. I I really, really, really do not, which is too bad because that game was right up my alley. Yeah. That was a, I'm buying this game to play it because I love those. I, with everybody who bitched about no man's sky, I still bounce in and play periodically. I still like the game, so this was for me.
2: Well, and and No Man's Sky has gotten significantly better. Yes, after
1: yes. So, yeah, of course. But still, I this this just looked at well, scratch scratched so many itches. And here's the other thing too, right? Like about the toys on this one, they're
3: bigger than the fucking controllers. Mm. They are like they show them at the end of the at the end of the the reveal, at the end of the trailer. They show one ship on every single controller, and they are all bigger than every single controller.
1: All right, moving on. No sense talking about steep because honestly, whatever. Far Cry five, once again, we got to see more this time. We talked about it before. We're super looking forward to it. This is the perfect time for this game. We actually got to see more in terms of the gameplay as well. Their trailer was, as usual, phenomenal. The music was great. The little splash intros for all the characters, including the doggo, was fantastic. Boomer better not fucking die. Yeah, no, I don't think so. You motherfucker brings you back guns. <laughs> he murders things and brings you
3: guns. Best I dog of love the canyon this ever. this dog.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be keeping bacon in my pocket for him. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I again, I liked... The combat as well, especially because you are working with other people as well. So you're going to get the sniper from on high while you're on the ground or vice versa kind of thing. That's awesome. So, yeah, it looks really, really good. I'm going to give them some credit here, not just
3: because I enjoy the Cry games, which anybody who's listened to the podcast knows I do. I'm going to give them some credit for what they're doing with the story, because in today's political climate, it would be very easy to shy away from doing something like this over the fear of it not selling or getting some backlash from a certain section of people. And it deals with the the idea of what happens when you have a radical religious group in the heartland of America. And that is, I give them mad props for tackling that or even deciding to put a game out that revolves around that as its core concept. So, especially when it looks like the attacking group is a varied group, like the one that are liberating this area, they're a diverse group. So, kudos. Fucking kudos
1: for that. And then, for me, the big game reveal... Maybe Not necessarily my favorite moment, but definitely the game reveal that I was like, oh, my God. And I picked up on it immediately when you saw the back, the pig's back. Tristan did not <laughs> yeah. immediately. So I'm looking at him, and he's like, what is this? What's going on? And I'm going, oh, you don't know. Because he never played through Beyond Good and Evil. I, hell, I never finished it. I played through most of it, but I never did finish it. I'm going to have to do that. But uh, But, yeah, the... The trailer for Beyond Good and Evil 2 was dro- jaw-droppingly incredible, beginning to end. It was absolutely astounding. I Sadly, we've already been waiting forever for this. Sadly, years. they still didn't announce when it's going to come out. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not like we've been lied to before by people. About it. Yeah. So, but man, does it ever look fucking amazing. Absolutely astounding. I want to play that game so bad.
3: Yeah, I'm all about this. Like, it was one of those things where people were making fun of me and laughing at me because I'm tweeting. I'm like, wait, is this it? Is it? This is what I think it is. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's actually yes, happening. Yes. <laughs> Unicorns <Yeah>. are real. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it was one of those moments where I just lost my shit. And the characters and- were awesome. Yes. Oh my The characterizations God. were great. The voice acting was fun. Just from the trailer alone, voice acting was great. And, oh God. The response to this, if this doesn't tell them they need to work on it sooner rather than later, I will have lost all respect for them as a company. Yeah. Alright, let's move on to
2: Sony. Bell, take it away. This was one of the weirdest conferences. <laughs> so, <laughs> I... I don't even know where to start because there was one person that took the stage ever, and they were maybe on stage a total of five minutes. Hey, yeah, if you and take not get Isha, Isha Taylor or Tyler, fuck it, just don't it even was, have anybody. It was it was pretty much back to back to back demos and 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 videos. So it started off with a well, actually it started off with a really interesting music number that I wasn't really sure how that tied into anything. Uh, and then it then it started with Uncharted Lost Legacy, and I have never successfully made it through an Uncharted game, so I'm maybe the, not the best person to talk about this game. Uh, but this, I guess, is a continuance of the, 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 the main story with the Chloe character?
1: No, not it's not really a continuance. It's, it's using the same character, yes. But if I'm not mistaken, this occurs prior to the events in Uncharted. I might be wrong, okay. so I apologize, but I believe so. But as somebody who has played the others, I, I haven't bought, I have, I, I haven't played four, but I literally just bought it uh, when it was on sale. What last week? It was an amazing sale, so I picked it up. I finished one and two. I did not finish three. So, like, I'm not like a, a fanatic about the IP, but I really do like it a lot. What's funny is that for all of my love of the IP. And of the character of Nathan Drake. He's a fun character. I like him as a character. And I really like the other characters, all of them as well. They're they're very well realized. And so I like that world that they've created. I'm more excited for this than I was for any of the four Uncharted games. Like this, I saw this and it was like, yes. Oh my God, I want to play this so badly. And then when we saw more of it now during during this E3 it just reinforced that every single thing about that trailer for me as a fan of the IP was like yeah I want to play with as these women because I don't know if you alternate between the two or if you only play as Chloe but regardless I I want to play this game so much and I cannot wait for it to come out
2: the next up was uh, horizon zero dawn the frozen wilds and I I, yeah, I'm down for more Horizon Zero Dawn gameplay. And this looks like we're going to be traveling to the Bannock Lands, uh, which if you pre-ordered the game, you got all kinds of cool Bannock weaponry. Uh, so it's at least a a, a, a style of, of uh, weaponry that we're used to in the game. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much you two have played Horizon Zero Dawn.
3: Sadly, not any yet. It's been it's been on my list, but I've been preoccupied with some other stuff.
2: <laughs> I'm not as far into the game as I'd like, because a bunch of stuff launched at exactly the exactly, same time. Exactly, yeah, I know. Yep. But it's such a good game. Like, it really feels excellent. So additional DLC, yeah, I'm down. Cool. Uh, then we have Days Gone, which is... Feels a lot like Sons of Anarchy meets Walking Dead. Yeah, uh, it is a biker game with with other violent groups of people and lots and lots of hordes of zombies. Uh, so it looks really cool. I'm not sure how I'm going to like the stealth aspect of it, since it seems like he spent a lot of time trying to avoid attracting the hordes of zombies. I like that though. Yeah, like
3: it's one of those things where the problem with zombie games in general is that they, they all tend to follow the same formula at this point. Like even like state of decay, which I absolutely loved, uh, was very combat oriented. And then you had, um, oh, why can't I think of it now? Uh, shit. Parkour zombie game.
1: Uh, I know what you're talking about. And I can't remember the name either. <laughs> I, I can't think of the name either.
3: Dying Light. Uh, Dying Light, yes, you had Dying Light, which again, that was, was awesome movement. It was an amazing game, yeah. but also very heavy on the combat. Yeah. It, it, like and that's one of the things where zombie games have sort of kind of gone uh, one direction and never looked back for the most part. I like the idea of having a game where you don't necessarily have to engage with them in order to reap rewards or benefits and you can use them as sort of a a tool to, you know, when, when you have the opportunity that arises for you, it rewards a smart player versus just anybody who, you know,
1: just knows how to pull a fucking trigger. And I'm okay with that. Can we all disagree? He would have been decapitated from that wire. Uh, Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That that was the point where I went, Oh, give me a fucking break. Okay, but I will say that's one thing that I
3: will also say I appreciate about this as well that a lot of other zombie games don't do is the fact that it deals with what happens when other creatures become zombies. And I'm not just talking about different forms of human (laughs) zombies. Motherfucking Fucking zombie grizzly bear. Fucking zombie wolves. (laughs) And and one of my favorite zombie book sets, the, uh, the Deadline Trilogy, deals with that. It was phenomenal. No other game has done that.
1: That when that when the zombie bear goes up on its hind legs, you're like, oh, this shit's on now. <laughs> like, that was awesome. Because when we first heard of that IP, when they first announced it months ago, it was like, man, it's another zombie game. And now you're like, okay, well, there's more story to it than we initially thought. More thought goes into the encounters as well and whatnot. And then you've got some originality there as well. So
2: it's like, okay. What? And I like that there's a lot going on with the survivors. Yeah. Uh, so the game that, like, caused Twitter to erupt for me was uh, Monster Hunter World. Yes. <laughs> and, and I have never, like, I, I've tried to play several of the Monster Hunter games. Um,
1: but, man, does it have a following. <laughs> this one's an awesome following. Though. It's funny because I tried um, Monster Hunter on the Wii U and... Hated it. Hated it. My son, however, is a huge fanatic, not of that one, but of the 3DS game. He adores it. So I showed him this and he was saying that's kind of close to what the 3DS one is, though obviously a lot prettier and it has certain functions that aren't on the 3DS. But there's things in it that he went, oh, that's this. Oh, that's this. Because those are things that they do in the 3DS version. So but this looked
2: amazing. It looks nice, yeah. I And it seems like maybe it's a more open-world-y type game yeah. than, than the little instanced areas that you normally have with Monster Hunter. Yeah. Uh, and and now for... I don't even know why they, they made another Shadows of Colossus. Like, why were they remastering it again? I I don't know, but... I wish they, I could tell you. <laughs> they, 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 they recently did an HD remaster, and so I'm not... I'm not 100% sure why they're doing it again, but there's more Shadows of Colossus. Yeah. It's because it's not a remaster. It's a
3: full-on remake. So it's not just an upscaled version of the original game. Uh, Bluepoint is actually taking the time to completely reconstruct the game on a modern engine for modern consoles. Uh, so it, while it's the same content, uh, one of the problems that people have with the HD Remix or the HD remaster, so to speak, is that it had all of the problems of the original one. And depending on what console you had or what version of, of the PlayStation operating system you were running, some people had serious issues playing the game. I can't even get it to load on mine. Mm -hmm. So something like this, where they're they, they they acknowledge that they're like, okay, we get it. This is something people love. Um, It's one of those things where they're like, let's make it so that they can actually fucking play the game. I'm okay with that, too. Also, and this has been completely unconfirmed, um, in the original Shadows of the Colossus game, there were a bunch of Colossus that were created but never implemented due to the limitations of the disc size and the platform that the original game came out on. There was supposed to be talk of them being put into the remastered version, uh, but that never happened. They basically just upscaled the old version and sent it out to the masses. There's talk about them actually taking those concepts and adding additional concept here into this full-on remake. So there is potential that there might be something new that we've never seen before inside of this game on top of having just an absolutely gorgeous version of the game to play.
2: Well, that would definitely be well worth it. If it, I don't remember what the rumored Colossus was that people claim to have ways to get to, but if it was really in this game, it would be great. Uh, then we were up uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Um Renee has informed me that I'm have to buy the collector's edition. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what does the collector's edition come with? All six
3: infinity stones in a decorative case for absolutely gorgeous, uh, Statues: One of Chun-Li, one of Mega Man X, one of Iron Man, and one of Carol
1: Danvers as Captain Marvel. You have to tell her that if she has to make, she has to sew a glove, an infinity glove, make it out of yarn, and embed those, embed the the infinity stones. She's
3: going to do this. You, You can't have
1: the stones without the gauntlet. Oh my God, that'd be hysterical. If she does that and takes a picture with it on her fist. She wins the internet. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but yeah, looks, I I looks, have to get the game.
2: It looks good. I mean, it's it's Marvel versus Capcom. Well, the interesting thing too,
3: and this is something that was absent from the, the most of the other Marvel vs. Capcoms, there's a story mode finally that actually has a story. <laughs> so I feel like
2: like uh the the recent DC fighters have taught them that oh story mode's cool in a fighting game. Yeah. yeah. Call of Duty returning to World War II. We've come full circle. The end is nigh. The end is nigh. Sorry. I played so much of the original Call of Duty, and it was such a mess. <laughs> like, like this that became the game that we played after work. And there wasn't even a capture the flag mode. Someone had hacked in a capture the wine mode <laughs> because there was no flag model. Uh, it's just so weird to me that it's come full circle now. Um, it's I hope that they stay true to World War Two weapons. Because Battlefield one has all these weird steampunk railgun weapons and such. Yeah. And and I liked World War II shooters. That was, I, w- I actually played World War II shooters competitively once upon a time. Uh, I played a lot of Wolfenstein enemy territory competitively. Uh,
3: uh, it was, yeah, we, we did a, uh, Oh God, why can't I think of the name of it now? The shit. It was not call of duty. It was the other one. Day oh, of fuck. defeat. I think it was day of defeat, but like, yeah, give me an M one grand. I'll show you what I can do. Motherfuckers. Let's um, go. Battlefield 1945 or 43 or whatever revision. Something like that.
2: Like it was, but yes, yes, I appreciate the old weaponry. (laughs) So I don't know, like I want to try it out. I'm not much for Call of Duty games, but I'm, I I am big into World War II era shooters. Give me a Garand. Skyrim VR. (laughs) Yes. Because we apparently
1: need Skyrim VR. You know what? Okay, <laughs> listen here, Mister. No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> actually, this is going to be those the
2: glitches are going to be horrifying. Oh god, in yeah. Person.
1: This is one of those games as well, like Fallout, obviously, wherein I am afraid that movement is going to cause nausea, and, and like not just a little worried. I'm like really worried. Now, yeah. as for it being Skyrim, I don't care that it's Skyrim for VR. I, I, I'm not going to play another Skyrim game again on PC. I never even finished the fucking original, so I'm not going to play it again. But to be alive in that world and use the move controllers and cast spells or whatever, that's actually fucking awesome. That would be wow. amazing. The only problem, once again, is movement. Let me put it to you this way. If they allow teleportation movement, same as they're doing with Doom in Skyrim, and they gated the attacks so it's not as hard as it is on console, because again, it's more challenging in VR, then I would actually consider buying it and playing through it. Because that sounds fucking awesome. That sounds like it'd be a ton of fun from within that world.
2: And I think that the, the PlayStation VR offering in general is probably the sweet spot for VR right now.
1: Well, see, I follow a lot of them, and I even watch the pressers and conferences that they have specifically for VR. So there's a lot of really cool stuff coming out for both Oculus as well as Vive and even and even Gear VR stuff. Um, but the, we mainly heard about the PlayStation here, and there were some really cool things that were announced, like... Do you want me to talk about a few, or are you going to run down the list? I was going to run down the list. Um, the, the next one that they showed
2: was Starchild. I'm really not sure what's going on here, because it looks like a
1: platformer. It looks like a sorts. kind of futuristic platformer. Yeah, those actually work surprisingly well in VR. Because picture it like you are hunched over a table, and there's minis that you've that you now can play as kind of thing it has that feel like you're kind of hovering over top of it in playing versus just watching it on a screen and you're interacting it with it again an analogy that you may um uh, that may make more sense is you must have done race cars when on tracks when you were a kid so it's that kind of thing you're huddled over and you're watching it go and you're controlling it kind of thing and that's very cool in vr actually
2: well, and to skip around a little bit, another game that's doing something really similar is Moss, it oh, feels like Mouse Guard, <laughs> but you're now like this person helping the mouse through the levels. That is so awesome! And it, it oh it, it my god, that
3: like and I, I thought it was really interesting too when they show the reflection and you almost look like um, nobody from straight yeah. Away, yeah, like i'm wondering if there's going to be more allusions to that
2: or if there's something because it was very distinctly that that
3: character model
2: well since i've not played a lot of vr it took me a little bit to figure out quite what was going on but once i got it i'm like oh this is going to be awesome like you're helping your little friend through the levels oh dude! and then you're helping them fight stuff and
1: i guess yes definitely cannot wait and what's cool about that one is that it's going to be fun for me to do with my granddaughter as well so that's i'm really looking forward to that and uh to go back to the order um there's a game called the inpatient
2: which really felt like almost a vr ghost story or like something was going on paranormal in that world it looked pretty awesome it looked cool yeah yeah the the one that all of my friends seem to really desperately want is a monster of the deep. Are you serious?
1: Yes, VR oh, fishing God. with Noctis. No, you i were
2: all super into Final a Fence, lot like of people game. really like that. Like, there was a lot of excitement for that. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, I don't know if it's necessarily me, but man, like, so many people are excited for this game. <laughs> Fishing with Noctis. Yeah, no thanks. Uh, Bravo Team is a shooter by Supermassive. And, like, it feels like a, a fairly true translation of the traditional PC shooter type experience. But I don't but think it I'm will not work, really though. sure. Like, it seemed really generic. Yeah, that's me. the
1: thing. I mean, if you're looking at, okay, you've got a choice of playing a shooter like that or play Super Hot. Or Farpoint, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like you can have a lot more fun in VR, and no, it's not you know three v three or four v four, whatever kind of that kind of gameplay. But who the fuck cares? You're shooting shit, and you're in that world. What it reminded me of is the Counter Strike clone
2: games that are all over Steam, right? Where it's kind of like a recycled asset kind of feel, and just lifeless yeah and even the name is as yeah, really. yeah
1: yeah, yeah
2: then they uh, we already talked about Moss, but then they showed the updated God of War trailer.
1: hey, wait, super hot, don't gloss over it. fucking super hot looked awesome. <laughs> I I really enjoyed Superhot a lot. I thought it was so ingenious. And I actually like... There's actual story there, people. Not a ton, but there is. And it's kind of fucking cool. And I loved it. And I was worried that this was just going to be the same levels as you play. So I thought, well, I already played it. I'm not going to do... It. It's not. This is like completely ground up new levels, everything specifically for VR. And because the game is designed so that... The bullets action nothing happens unless you move with a controller that's easy you just don't touch fuck all until you're ready to now you got a fucking VR thing you're going to move around just by fidgeting and moving so it's going to be a lot more realistic in that regard and so you're going to think on your feet a lot faster and that was something you already had to do with the other one just because shit happened that it was like oh crap oh crap and you had to think fast and redo levels until you got it right but this is going to be a lot twitchier and a lot more fun like this is another one that i'm like oh i'm buying this shit for sure right away it's gonna be awesome okay now you can talk about god of war sorry i needed (laughs) to get that out of my system (laughs) you like super
2: hot it's okay i do it's fucking awesome i love that game man god of war looks great Mm. it looks so gorgeous yeah I like the dynamic of him and his son, and especially the scenes they showed, where like the son is on the back and the son is helping out with stuff. Yeah. Um. It, it seems like a, a switch in the 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 the, the franchise. It feels like the the gameplay that they showed feels significantly different than any of the other God of War games. It feels almost like a. It kind of at times reminded me of Horizon Zero Dawn, except for instead of, you know, bows, you've got traditional, you know, melee gameplay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to me, it just felt like it's evolved over the years, essentially. Plus, it also yeah. felt like the the combat had to change by virtue of the fact that he's traveling with his son. So it changes the way, not just that he's fighting with him, but also it would change if they went that far, if they thought that far ahead, it would change how he fights because his kid is there. So he has to be careful or he has to, you know, do things differently because of that. So if they thought that far ahead and that's why the gameplay is different, then kudos to them.
2: And it's also supposed to be more open world from what I've heard, which hopefully is going to lead to more exploration type gameplay. Yeah. Detroit is looking great, oh. but but how long has it been since this has originally been announced? And it's, it's, it's different. I like think it took on a different tone this
1: yeah. time, yep. too. It's totally different now. Well, it's yeah. totally different in terms of it was from somebody else's perspective. Joe and I were right. talking about this before because, again, this is a game that I'm super hyped for. I love that kind of AI stuff. I really, really do. So this is like right up my alley. And I could be wrong. It's possible that they have completely rewritten certain elements of the story and who you're going to play as because the underlying story is still the same of the AI essentially coming to life, gaining sentience, and then deciding what that's going to mean and how they're going to interact with humans. So that remains the same. So what I was wondering is whether we were just seeing another scene another like in the game you play as multiple people if that's the case then it makes sense if not there was a pretty heavy-handed rewrite that happened
2: well because up until this point everything we've seen is from the perspective of Kara, hasn't it been
0: yeah
2: um and and it could be that these are just little vignettes and that would be cool too is like so say it it shows the story of this revolution from lots of different actors
1: That actually makes perfect sense as well. And to
2: some extent, it kind of reminded me of Red Faction Gorilla, in that it seemed like you had a lot of choices as to what you were doing. Like, how do you go about doing this?
1: Yeah. See, I got a strong uh, Humans Feel, which is a BBC series. The third season is going to be starting soon enough. And it's a great show. Oh, my God. Is it ever good? It is amazing. One of the best shows that we've watched in a long time, just in terms of the brilliant writing and, and acting is unbelievable. So this, it felt very much like the writers had been watching that show because there's yeah. some very, it's, it's, it, they didn't borrow from it or steal from it. It's just highly influenced by it. And it I'm, definitely echoes. I'm all right with that. I I am so alright with that So yeah this is Still a game that is not just on my Radar it's it's I cannot Wait to play this game
2: We've already talked quite a bit about Destiny 2 but they they showed a brand New trailer with more story elements And I think this time They're definitely going to get the story aspect right I mean they they know that was The failing of the first year Um so Hopefully we're going to have stories For days Yeah. Uh Spider-Man, I oh. was not expecting that
1: game to look as pretty <laughs> as it is. <laughs> 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 you better start talking soon or Joe's going to take over.
2: <laughs> no, I like I love Okay, back in the PS2 days, I think it was PS2. I right? The problem is, is I can't remember if I played Spider-Man on PS2 or if on Dreamcast. But that game was great. I loved that game. Uh and and this looks amazing. Like
1: I think it was PS2, if it's the one that I'm thinking about.
2: Yeah. I think I had it as well. (laughs) It's got so much of the Spider-Man aspect. Like, you know, the ability to not take down... Like, to take down people in interesting ways. I got to
1: say, and this is something that I talked to Joe about, and I'm not going to take away from Joe's point and what he has to gush about. I'm going to talk about just how unbelievably good this game looks. Now that's something that you hear all the time is like, "Oh, this looks phenomenal." Yeah, but the thing with this game is the transition between cinematics and uh, gameplay. gameplay flares. So when he's taking somebody down in a way, well, you're not controlling every moment movement of how that's going to happen. Like if you like if he's whipping somebody with a spider web, sending them flying around and then he's swinging around to take the somebody else down. You, you probably already know what scene I'm talking about. Well, you're not controlling movement. You just selected that to do. And then that little cinematic occurs this, the transition between each of those things and from you actually playing, I have never seen a game handle that as seamlessly as this does. It's Unbelievable.
2: There, there's always a pause when they go into a quick time event, yes. and this just seemed to be f-
0: seamless. Yeah. Like,
2: I saw the button pop up, but other than that, there was really no jarring transition.
1: Oh, it was amazing. The Everything about that in terms of, again, I'm not going to talk about content. You guys can do that. In terms of the sheer look, the scope of it. The fuck when he's going around after that chopper, the scope of what you are doing and what you're seeing is unbelievable. And like I said, it's all fucking seamless. You're seeing people running in the street, cut, cutting away to him, fly or zipping along and cutting him to here. And then the, the gameplay and it was just beautiful, seamless through it. I adored it. The, the
2: thing that, that worked really well for me was that Spider-Man, was quipping without yeah. being cloyingly annoying, and so many times in the past in other like especially like the two d era games, they tried to make him do the the quipping nature, but it just came off it fell flat and and this felt extremely natural and extremely true to comic to me at least
1: I agree. Joe, you got something to I, say? I, I...
2: I'm waiting, I have lots of things to say. I just want to make sure you guys are done before I start going.
1: Okay. <laughs> Try not to go for too long because we still have Nintendo to go. Okay, I, I will endeavor to make this quick.
3: <laughs> for those that don't know, Spider-Man is a very precious character to me for many personal reasons. I have been begging for a Spider-Man game for a very long time that would do things well. And I don't just mean uh great gameplay which it looks like this is going to have I don't just mean great visuals which I mean this is going to have but something that understands the characters because one of the things that has always been a failing for all the ones that have come before this is that the core of the characters didn't feel anything like the characters that were established in the comics okay this seems like it has all that from the quips to the the movement to the interactions everything looks like it's great. As a Spider-Man fan, it is also doing a couple things that I find absolutely intriguing. First of all, the characters that you are interacting with are from a very forgotten story arc in the comics. It looks like they're doing the spiral, which nobody fucking knows about. But it was Mr. Negative and Spider-Man, and it started this whole thing with the negative zone, and it, it, it was this whole big thing that had all these repercussions, but that individual story arc, everybody forgets about. And it feels like this is at the very beginning of that. And that's fucking cool. Because it is a a scenario where, you know, Peter was forced to work with Wilson Fisk. Uh, He learned that not everything was what it seemed. And it introduced a whole bunch of interesting characters, like Captain Wanatabe, who was also not just the captain of the police force, but a fucking vigilante. (laughs) (laughs) So we actually cool covered those it.
1: comics on uh, on Comic Book Informer Podcast, and, podcasts, and yes. they were spectacular. And the, as soon as I heard that Yuri was in there, I was like, oh, yes. dude, that's awesome because she is such an interesting character with agency who mm-hmm. is... <laughs> making bad choices a she's lot of the a, time. Like
3: She's not just a sidekick. She has a fucking
1: personality. Well, it's not just that she's not just a sidekick. It's that very often in comic books, what winds up happening is that you either have no representation of women or you have women who are are there but who have no agency, so they have no say in what is going to happen to them in the, in, the, in terms of the story, or you have women who are in the story but who are forced to take on the persona of the good girl, or or be above mm-hmm. all else, and not make mistakes and, and things like that? You don't get enough stories where you have a female character who has agency and who makes bad choices who can and just has to be live with human, them. Not that's perfect. exactly, and that's what Yuri always was to me because she made some big fucking mistakes, but they were hers, and she owned up to it. And a lot of the interactions that she had with Peter. Because he liked her a lot. We're profound. Because you have Peter, whose moral compass is, is pretty much always pointing north. And so when he's dealing with somebody else who he cares about, who he knows is making bad choices, it takes a lot before he finally sees that person as maybe not a villain, but somebody he has to stop. And so Yuri's Wraith character really presented this moral dilemma for Peter that was far more believable than so many of the can generic villains that he's had to deal with before because much like real life it's not just a villain it's a person under there so you're not just dealing with a psychopath now you're dealing with somebody who's just making bad choices and also choices that you don't agree with so then what are you going to do? Yeah, Exactly. And, and it means that there's going to be
3: potentially some very interesting uh, story hooks that they can explore here. Now, that all aside, um, my happiest moment came as an after fucking credit scene to the Sony presser, which, first of all, OK, good move, Marvel. That was that that was hilarious. Uh, but second of all, was very important to me personally because we got to see miles morales and genki and miles as much as i love peter don't get me wrong he will always be you know the first spider-man and always have an important part of my life miles is the character that i always identified with the most and seeing him in this game means some very interesting things because one of the things that happened in the whole spiral in the introduction introduction of the the negative or the negaverse, or whatever you want to call it. uh, But the negative zone is Peter disappears for a while. There's a whole set of story arcs that he's on rescue missions in the negative zone doing what he has to do. And there's a whole thing where Peter becomes sort of like almost a villain because he's been set up at that point too. And if they're doing that where we have negative Spider-Man and he becomes the villain, and we have Miles Morales become Spider-Man because the avatar of the spider has to be represented in the universe, I will be the happiest fucking person in the entire goddamn world. But that 10 seconds of him just on the screen, smiling, taking the picture of Spider-Man is such an important thing to me.
1: No, not just to
3: you. But uh, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for everybody else. I'm sure there's more out there that, that find that very important. But to me... This makes it the most exciting game that I saw the entirety of E3 because of that moment, because of that inclusion.
1: That was the standout moment for me as well. In terms of what moment will you remember from this E3? Miles. Miles. Because not not just because of what we saw, because that's cool. You know, if you don't read the comics, you don't know who these people are. You have no clue that, you know, this, this guy exists, but if you read the comics, not only do you know he exists, you really like him a lot. What I, what really I drew from this more so than that though, was this is how they work. Black Spider-Man Into the games. This is where you can Mm -hmm. finally have a Spider-Man that's a person of color that represents a couple of different minorities and that is a fan-loved character that's not Peter. So what I would like to do, what I'm really hoping they're doing, we have no way of knowing, but man, like you said, Miles gets introduced partway through the story as the Spider-Man who has to take down Peter. But what I'd like to see is a DLC that comes out later with Miles' origin story origin, yep, so yep. that you can do that because that's easy for them to do. They've laid the groundwork for everything is there. All the assets are there. Just, boom, get your writers working and put it together. Uh, I'm not saying it'll be easy necessarily, but you know what I mean. It's, it's definitely doable and would make a spectacular DLC. But then the next Spider-Man story game is Swoops a Miles. Over, yep. At that point, you switch it over. You've introduced him. People now know who he is. People are invested in his story. Now give us a a Miles story. Oh, and and the other thing to keep in mind, and and then I'll stop. Sorry, Joe, I'll let you take over. No, 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 it's fine. Because I'll forget. (laughs) The other thing that's important here is that not just from a story standpoint, that's the most important thing because it's going to, you have to think of it in terms of like, You all know who Peter is, who May is, who Uncle Ben is. You know how he got his powers. You know all of that. That's been rehashed way, way too many times since we were kids watching the cartoons. Miles' story is different. I mean, there's similarities, of course. It was fucking Spider bit him. But who he is, who he had to deal with for... And in the terms environment of, he
3: grew up in. Yeah, yeah, his
1: parents, his grandmother, who's awesome. I love her. <laughs> but there's a lot going on there that is different and new and wonderful. And then, lastly, different gameplay mechanics. He has different powers than mm-hmm. Peter motherfucker can turn invisible and can poison you with a pseudo stinger attack. Like very, it's actually
3: very similar to Spider-Man 2099, which it ties it into the current universe beyond what they've already established as well.
1: Yeah. So there's new gameplay that you'll get as well. Oh yeah. I, I so hope they go down that route. What I was going to say too, is when you talk about having that branch
3: off into a uh, different series of games too, that's one of the things that I hope happens as well. Not, it doesn't have to replace them. It can be a side-by-side game. It can be an entire thing. One of the, one of my friends, David and I, we share a very similar heritage from two different points of the world. And when we saw this, we were both freaking out at the same point. And we got in this huge, long conversation uh, about that specific thing and how much it would mean to us and how much it would mean to us to see Miles's origin represented in a media that would reach more people to show that people like us aren't necessarily just sidekicks we're not just dregs you know it's a character like us that became a fucking hero and a really damn good one and and that is i'm not going to say i was going to cry because of a video game but i was going to cry because of a video game like it made me that happy just the idea that that could happen
1: and the important thing there again is and we've talked about this for fucking like eight years now how important representation is. And it's moments like this where everyone can appreciate that because maybe you're not the person of color, but you can appreciate the impact that it's having on their lives. And so like, again, representation is so important and they can do it right here. So I, there's no way in hell that was tossed in just as an aside. It's, I, I refuse right. to believe that that was tossed in as an aside. You don't put something at an after credit scene just to kind of throw it away. They knew what they were doing. They absolutely knew. Hey, Bell, are you still there? I still am. <laughs> what do you think um, of this game? <laughs> I. My
2: thing is, okay, so, so the, the switch to Miles would be great because, like you said, that's a character that comic book readers know extremely well but Hollywood has never given us that character like they refuse to give us that character even though they keep rebooting the Peter Parker Spider-Man every couple years Um, my hope as well is Insomniac is a phenomenal developer they've always been a phenomenal developer I hope this game is going to knock it out of the park and we see a lot more Marvel comic book video games that aren't heavily saturated ones coming from Insomniac as well. Like, I don't want them to only do Spider-Man. I want them to do some other stuff as well. But do some of the things from the Marvel Universe that
1: we don't have a lot of visualization into. Mm, if this does well, it might be that entry way into those other games as well.
2: But especially, like, even if you just stayed in, the, in the, the Spider-Man universe, there's tons of characters that you can draw yeah. from. Yeah, And yeah. they've yeah. proven that they can do that with, like, Edge of Nowhere and shit like that as well.
1: Like, they, right. they, they
3: have an eye for that.
1: All so, right, let's move on from there. We're actually going to go through things a little bit faster now because we are running very long. Sorry, sorry. Don't apologize. It's been awesome. There was a Devolver Digital very weird presser. We're not going to go into it. I mean, there was really not a lot announced there. The only thing they showed was, I think, super hot. It was freaking weird. Um,
2: and it then, was an anti-presser. Yeah, it, it was the Tim and Eric show, basically yeah. in 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 Devolver form, and then, which makes sense for Devolver.
1: Okay, stop. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just some random stuff that we saw as well that was interesting. Um, a little bit more talk about Psychonauts two. They're still working on it. Uh, Extinction, which is kind of like an Attack on Titan game almost as well. Really looked cool. But
2: but with giant orcs.
1: Yeah. It was interesting. I, I saw the trailer a little too much because it was on loop and I had the, the tab up for that uh, for PlayStation. So I kept seeing it. But the first time I saw it I was like, holy shit. Yeah, this looks pretty, pretty awesome. It Very, very Attack on Titan feel to it, which isn't a bad thing. Um Again, not something that's going to be first on my list to play, but there were mechanics of it that I really liked. Like, again, taking a, having to hit the chain links to take part of the armor off to then be able to take off their, their hands and legs and whatnot. Yeah. Tiny build. Um, very funny little kind of trippy as fuck game where you try to get into your neighbor's home and stuff like that, and you play against an AI that changes oh. and adapts. Oh, it's
2: so much darker. <laughs> It is. It is.
3: Fucking yeah, look,
1: and it's look cool as shit. I really like that a lot.
2: <laughs> they've had it at at Pack South last couple of years. Yeah, and they have they have really access for it right now. As oh, well. do
1: they? Okay.
3: Yeah. It looked awesome. There's, I thought it looked cool. There's a bunch of streamers that have been playing it pretty regularly.
1: Uh, we got a little bit more of Vampire. Vampire. I still keep wanting to say vampire. But uh vampire. Yeah. Vampire, yeah. Did you see the gameplay footage? It looks good. Gameplay really footage good. looked really good. I was impressed, it looked cool. Did either of you see the unto the end trailer? You're like no. this Viking guy. Picture super minimalistic style, art style. Um, and you're kind of like this Viking going on this this journey along and fighting your way through tons of everything it kind of has platformy kind of feel to it but you're also fighting and like there's a scene where like your your dude has fought through bunches of trolls you're on top of a cliff face piercing a troll or an orc with your sword there's blood falling down off the cliff edge it was in terms of like the the cinematics of how it looked was amazing that it pans out and you see all of the other orcs that are dead along the way with blood splattered around. And he just kind of falls to his knees and just takes a breath. And I was like, holy shit. Does this ever look amazing? Like very, very cool. Uh, what else we got? No heroes allowed in VR looked very interesting. Kind of again, that same kind of idea of you're looking over a gameplay area. And in this case here, it kind of had a tower defense feel to it, which was very cool. Uh, Archangel, giant fucking mechs. That looked awesome as well. Code Vein. All right, maybe. Did either of you see Burly Men at Sea? No. (laughs) Another very minimalistic style. But it looked both hilarious and fun as hell. Very, very cool. So now we're going to run through Nintendo finally. Some of these we can jump over like the Mario and because we've already talked about it. Um, but yeah, Joe, go ahead. So Nintendo released a bunch of different information
3: for some very intriguing games. Uh, first of all, we're getting a new Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, that's interesting because we haven't really heard a whole hell of a lot about that for a long, long time. And it is definitely a JRPG complete with touch and sword boobies because apparently sword movies are a thing. <laughs> uh, it looked, I mean, honestly, the art style looks very anime ish. It looks like it's going to be very much in line with the rest of the Xenoblade, the Xenoblade stuff. We'll see what happens with it. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was one of those weird moments. Um, I'm actually really excited about the Kirby game of course, uh, yes. coming <laughs> coming out in 2018 because it's a classic Kirby-style game with some of the elements that look like the multiplayer elements from the Mario franchise that have been very successful lately. Uh and it is a 2.5D side scroller it looks like. Uh so that's really
2: really cool and it's been a while since we've had a traditional Kirby game. Bell seemed excited about that. I'm I'm down with it. It it looks great. And like right now, more than anything, the Switch needs more games. games. Yeah. yeah, it needs some really good games.
3: Ah, uh, that looks great. Speaking of which, I mean, if you're a Pokemon fan, you're probably going to be super excited about this because Pokemon are getting an RPG for the Switch. Not, <laughs> not, not like a Pokemon game. A fucking RPG.
2: It was the least committal. Ever. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're working on it, but you probably won't see it for a year or two. Okay. Yeah. We're just uh, going to sp- live on those words now. Speaking of living on
3: early words, we also got an announcement for uh, Metroid Prime 4 uh, with a, a lovely logo. little. We got we got a logo and some sounds.
2: I, okay. I, I, they they made my show. Like, <laughs> another Metroid game. I don't care.
0: It's a I, Metroid game.
2: Yeah, I'm really excited about that
3: as well. Uh, I'm also really excited about the Yoshi game. So people think I'm weird about this. The Yoshi's Woolly World stuff has been phenomenal. Those games have it's been an great.
2: awesome game.
3: And they are very great successors to Yoshi's Island. Now we're getting a hybrid between Woolly Yoshi, because it looks like he has got that fuzzy, peely sort of skin texture to him, and Paper Mario. Set into the Yoshis Island style game. How can you fucking go wrong? It's
1: amazing. It reminded me very much of Little Big Planet, which is not a bad yeah. thing. I Little Big Planet is one of our favorites. So when I saw this, I was like, Oh, well, I would actually play this. But I'm not buying a fucking switch, but <laughs> I would play this if I had a switch.
2: I have a Switch. I will play all these things. You have Uh, to.
1: There's fuck all else for you to do with it. (laughs) Because let's be honest, we did not get a lot of third-party representation for the Switch here. No.
2: We didn't get any third-party representation at the Nintendo show, really. Correct. It was all Nintendo proper. It's all first party, Um, which I'm not opposed to. No, Rocket League
3: isn't. Well, we'll get into those, that and Skyrim. Yeah, that
1: and Fire Emblem. That's not internal. Well, moving on.
3: (laughs) But there's other things as well, too, coming out. Like, they finally announced the release date for the Breath of the Wild DLC, as well as uh, four new Amiibos coming out for it, which I fucking hate them because I have to buy more Amiibos. I have all the the
2: Breath of the Wild Amiibos.
3: (laughs) I'm only missing the Guardian because I didn't buy it when I had a chance. (sighs) I'm very sad about this, but it looks like it's going to have some lasting content. Like they are really honestly trying to put more stuff into Zelda breath of the wild, which is already a phenomenal large game. So I'm excited about that. Legitimately.
2: I'm looking forward to the path system that they're putting in because Lord, you need something to kind of lead you through stuff.
3: Yeah. I'm also interested because, and they didn't mention it here, but there is talk about one of the other DLCs coming out afterwards being a completely new quest and story. So I'm really I'm I'm intrigued to see where that goes as well. Um, we did mention Rocket League. Rocket League uh, is coming to the Switch, which I think is a very smart move. Uh, Rocket League in the last year has become uh, a very m- well-played game in my household. Uh, I absolutely love Rocket League. And the idea of it being on the Switch, I think, is fantastic. It's going to get Switch-exclusive content. Uh, which is just basically a car and some cosmetic stuff, probably like a uh, a Mario head or, or various car toppers that are based off of, of Nintendo IPs, uh, which is great. And it's going to be complete crossplay compatible with all the other platforms, so PS4, Xbox, PC as well. Those players can all play against each other, including with the Switch, which is great. That means more people into that market. Um, Super Mario Odyssey. Looks really, really weird, but also really, really good.
2: It's so good. Like the the, the costumes, the hats, the fact that you can be a dinosaur. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah,
3: it was it was really intriguing. Like the idea that the hat is a living creature is sort of stolen from an old Zelda game. But the idea that it can transfer consciousness to a T-Rex, a frog, okay or or you can take over other things like thwomps and things which is interesting
2: it's beautiful beautiful madness
3: yes which japan yeah (laughs) i'll stick Um, with mario
2: and rabbits also and rabbits
3: but there's also another metroid game coming out for the 3ds as well uh a side-scrolling metroid game uh which is supposed to be a reimagination of Metroid 2 for the Game Boy which a lot of people don't remember
2: which was such a good game but it has not aged well because it was on the original black and white Game Boy Yep.
3: and then like we said there's a couple other things as well uh, Splatoon 2 uh, is going to be coming out uh, we're also going to be getting Pokken and ARMS tournaments which we saw some of I'm not entirely sold on it because I don't like motion controls for combat but apparently that's a thing for this and the story trailer for Fire Emblem Warriors looked pretty goddamn solid. Nintendo made it so that I have to buy a Switch, basically, is what it, really? what, what their thing boiled down to. Yeah.
1: Really? What was the tipping yeah. point? Uh, honestly? because Okay, let's break, break it. And I'm not telling, I'm not implying that you shouldn't feel that way. I'm glad people are excited about it but as somebody who's been burned by what well, we both have by the Wii U and by the complete and utter lack of not just third party support but fucking first party support for the Wii U let's look at and, this here again and I'm not I'll believe whatever you're telling me but we're looking <laughs> at Xenoblade Kirby Pokemon doesn't count uh Metroid doesn't count because who the fuck knows when that's going to come Yoshi Fire Emblem's warriors the Zelda. You're not going to play Skyrim, so that doesn't matter. The The Breath of the Wild. You're already playing that on the Wii U. And but then, I
3: will. I am going to repurchase it for the Switch if I get a Switch. But it plays yeah, better I, on the Wii I U. I
1: repurchased
2: it from the from the Wii U to the Switch.
1: But I, as I understand it from everybody, it plays better on the Wii U than on the Switch. no, no. they fixed it. They, oh, they okay. okay. The, they, the
3: the first patch actually
2: resolved the FPS issues. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah,
3: no,
2: and like then, having played both you can definitely tell it was designed for the Switch because there's a lot of things that just work slightly better. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, and then you're looking at Mario Rabbids, Rocket League, it doesn't matter to you, and Super Mario. So, what's the tipping point? does matter
3: to me, actually, because it's one of those things where I can take it with me now.
1: Oh, God. Do you really (laughs) think you're going to take the Switch with you? When (laughs) I'm
3: going, let me explain a couple different things real quick so you understand where I'm coming from with this. The fact that it's getting games that I actually want to play is an important thing because it's getting games that didn't come out until late in the cycle for the Wii U. The Mario games uh, were very, very good, but didn't come out until way too late into the Wii U cycle. Uh, Same with the Yoshi games, same with the Kirby games like those. Those items were fantastic, but they were already at the tail end of the Wii U. Having them on the Switch earlier than that is very, very good. And I'm okay with that. Um, that was part of that is that they actually are starting to get games that I'm going to want to play on this device that are only going to be available on this device are not going to be produced for the Wii U. That's number one. Number two, Rocket League is a thing for me because one of the things I do with my local friends is every year we do a gigantic land to raise money for extra life. And it's a city wide thing here. And I don't like dragging my computer with me to have all of my shit to play things like Rocket League or other things like that. So, yes, this does appeal to me because I will purchase Rocket League for the $20 that it will be on the Switch so that I can take it with me and have an easier way to play without having to lug an entire fucking computer with me. Yeah, but that's that's one day, though. That's a multi-day thing, but it's also something that I can carry with me now or play when... I don't necessarily want to be on my computer. Maybe I want to sit on the couch oh, and do, that. No, 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 I can't no, do it, that
1: right now. Oh, I'm all about that too, trust me. I understand that. I, I, a, I it need is it a for my needs. But I I just I okay. Okay. Because for for all of the the portability that they would have you believe, it's still not something that I can see myself taking and using outside of the home very much so like when you're talking about sitting on the couch i see that a little bit differently or wherever you want to go kind of thing so
3: and here's and here's an interesting thing too that i feel is kind of unique and i didn't expect this to be a thing i work with a lot of nerds a lot of these nerds have switches they actually bring their switches to work and and (laughs) and group up in the conference rooms after work okay that's awesome sometimes that's awesome so that's something i will actually participate in right and Xenoblade Chronicles is a game that I will also play as well. Like it's it's a we're getting to a point where I'm not going to go out and buy one now, but I will be looking at bundles and stuff when it comes time for the holiday season, because there's enough coming out earlier in 2018 or later this year that I can justify that purchase finally, which is something that, yeah, we got burned with the Wii U. But I'm feeling like there's going to be enough here to keep me busy for a long time. And
2: honestly, the Wii U had some significant design issues i i bought my wii u thinking i could install the unit on a television and then drag the gamepad around the house and play wherever i wanted to and i had maybe an eight foot reach from the gamepad to the unit so i couldn't do any of that and like i a lot of times you know we have a, a back patio and i'll go out there in the evenings and it's nice out there and i'll you know sit there and play some switch because I can easily take it outside. It's also great for traveling, but I also like the fact that I can easily just dock it and play it without having to worry about it. Um, And and the part that doesn't really get a lot of play as far as the Switch is, it's getting a lot of good indie support in a way that the Wii U never did, but the 3DS did. So, And part of that is
3: because of the platform that it's built off of, because it's built off of essentially an Android device and the architecture that's in it. It's easier for those indies to develop for it versus what we used to have, which is
2: great. Like the Shovel Knight version for the the Switch is amazing. It feels so good to play. I've been playing uh, uh, Monster Boy on the Switch as well, and it's great. Uh, Probably whenever I get... uh, the 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 not Ca- Castlevania game that that was kickstarted. I'll probably pick up a copy on Blood well, Rain. Yeah, yeah, Bloodstained. I think is yeah. But so it, it's a great little platform, especially for like two D games. But it well the, it, the game it, that would have that would have sold me out of this batch is probably Mario Odyssey. Like, oh, yeah. had I not already bought the Switch, I would have bought it then.
3: And I mean, and talking about indie games too that people don't realize are on the Switch, Axiom Verge, which is a Metroid style game that is really, really good, is on there. Under the Gungeon, Little Inferno, uh, Tower Falls, Rhyme, Stardew Valley. Like, they have a good setup as as far as indie games go, so you can actually play them on there. So, like, these are all just icings on the cake. It's. It's not it's not like a like I said, I'm not going to run out and buy it now, but they've got my attention finally. I
2: I tell you the killer feature of the switch that no other handheld has is the fact that it's USB type C and you can buy any battery pack from Mm -hmm. from Amazon and charge your device with it. I have one already, and that's greatly extending
3: the range of use. Well, and I have one already, too. I have a an actual battery backup, uh, battery charge station that I carry with me uh, that I have a USB cable for my 3DS that I plug it into when I'm out and about, too. So, like, this is, it's a no-brainer, too, as well, at that point. Like, it's just you can plug straight into it. Like,
1: sweet. If they can come out with a package a year down the line or whatever where they've made some improvements to the hardware as well because of the technical issues with it, I'd be more inclined at that point as well. To, well, to and that's the other
3: thing. Sorry, uh, just to, to speak on that real quick. Um, I watch a lot of teardown videos um, from people that take consoles and rip them apart to see how they're constructed. Everything inside of the Switch is modular. We're probably going to get an upgraded version of it this holiday with more memory, better uh, better uh, storage and things like that. Uh, probably this year because every single component of it is a individual board that plugs into a motherboard, not just everything's fused together. So it is incredibly modular.
1: Oh, that's good. Okay, we're going to have to wrap up. So let's go round table. And if there's any parting thoughts, we'll start with you, Bell. This show has made me want Destiny 2 extremely bad. <laughs> I, I also really want Wolfenstein
2: 2. And right. uh, we didn't really talk about it, but I am super pumped for State of Decay 2. Okay, well, you got a few minutes. Go for it. Um, mostly, State of Decay felt like a really good game created by. A group that was trying to create it, you know, by their bootstraps. Mm -hmm. That that was a studio that was spun off and self-funded for the most part. They didn't have a lot of backing. And they created this game and they had to make a lot of compromises. And State of Decay 2 is, I think, them finally realizing the vision that they wanted before. It's going to have a lot more of... Of the base building aspect, Um, I'm not sure if there's multiplayer, but, man, that was a feature that the first one needed. Because that game would have been so great if you could have grabbed a couple friends and then explored the world together. Uh, But I'm definitely looking forward to it. Okay. Joe, what about you? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Give me Miles
1: Morales' fucking (laughs) Spider-Man. Fair enough. And, yeah, that was, for me, the standout moment as well. So, oh, man, I cannot wait to play Beyond Good and Evil 2. My God, that's going to be glorious. Soon, please. <laughs> All right. Bell, thank you very much for pinch hitting. I do appreciate it very much. Why don't you tell the lovely folks where they can find you?
2: Uh, I blog weekdays on Tales of the Agronaut at agronaut.com, and we do a po- weekly podcast on com, And on Twitter's.
1: And on Twitter, at Belgast. And there you have it. Thank you very much again for stopping by. You can find the show notes for this at for the Lore. You can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore. Joe is Loders Vince, who is not here, is at Samodian. And I am Zen Buddhist. So you can leave us your thoughts on iTunes and Stitcher as well. And with that, we will see you literally in a few days because now we're doing our D&D session coming up. So that's going to be awesome. So we'll talk to you then.
2: I don't want to be a tiger, cause tigers play it too rough. I don't want to be a lion, cause lions ain't the kind you love enough.
0: Thank you for listening to For The Lore. Each week the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7pm Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.
2: Tigers play too
3: rough I don't want to be a lion Cause lions ain't the kind you love enough Cause
0: Your teddy bear Put a chance.